0: And welcome. Welcome to the Words, Women and Wisdom radio show streaming live on BBS radio from California and syndicating to over 100 stations globally, including iHeart, iTunes and many, many more. And also potentially popping up on the Podopolo socially interactive podcasting platform that's new as well. I am glad today to be introducing you to a guest of mine. I spoke with uh, her recently, and I was really intrigued by her story. So I have with me Kristen Miller, who I'll formally introduce in just a moment. Hello, Kristen. Hi. (laughs) And you have a beautiful Australian accent. uh, No, not Australian, South African accent. So where are you actually calling in from today? It's a tiny village close to Cape Town, South Africa. Okay, excellent. So I love working with international women. If you're just dialing in for the first time and listening to the radio show, Just to know that the reason I do these shows is my purpose, Yvonne E.L. Silver, I am your host for for the show. My purpose is uplifting the spirit of humanity. And I do that with Words, Women and Wisdom, which is my brand, with Women and Wisdom Media, showcasing amazing women who are rising typically from tragedy to triumph, and are now out there doing really interesting things, a lot of which have a mission-inspired element. And I'm passionate about working and talking with these entrepreneurs, those female entrepreneurs, successful business owners who have a mission-inspired focus in their business, and are ready to celebrate the work that I do, which is um, mentoring, coaching, working with those mission-inspired business owners who are ready to level up from solopreneur to CEO. And Kristen and I have quite a few passions. For starters, her organization, Flaming Silver, I mean, what a great connection with my name, Yvonne Silver, as well. (laughs) Let's do a formal introduction. (laughs) Kristen was actually born into poverty and so she comes from very humble beginnings where she often played barefoot in what she describes as cornfields picturing life as my little pony, an episode from My Little Pony. So today our interview is actually called From My Little Pony to Thoroughbred Pedigree Perfection. What does that mean? Well, She um, had an entrepreneurial spirit since the age of 11, and we'll dive deeply into her story. But it wasn't until 30, age 30, that she finally ignited her business flames, registered her first company. She then went on the fast track, and within three years, became whoops. (laughs) Uh Oh, turn that off. Within three years, um, became a millionaire. um, Only to discover that she was ultimately missing was causing her to be misaligned misfiring and unhappy oh my gosh I so hear you girl Kristen made a (laughs) life-changing decision in 2015 to change her life and follow her heart oh no this journey promptly sold or gifted everything she'd ever worked for including the small business and sorry including the businesses she had built from the ground up moved to a small fishing village to start anew. And I'm not going to say any more. Suffice to say that she now thrives as a premium mentor with a hybrid business model, which incorporates coaching and consulting, and this concept of bringing in her equestrian background, working as a thoroughbred pedigree coach and consultant. And I'm so delighted that you're able to join me today after we recently met in an executive uh, networking group. So hello. (laughs) Hi, (laughs) thank you. So I know that in um, our conversation, we had a brief conversation a little while ago, you were talking about Um, hitting rock bottom. So I think it's really relevant for the audience listening who are going to take away such wisdom nuggets. So there's going to be some really interesting things shared here. And then at the end, we're actually going to offer a couple of gifts for you. So stay to the end. Um, You said that you hit rock bottom in 2015. So tell me a little bit about the context. What happened and what led up to that? It was the year that I realized
1: um so many things about myself so I love to refer to it as um the very start of my awakening. Mm. So basically I went through all the big stresses that I think a human generally can go through, a human in a in a normal environment anyway. <laughs> um but I realized that I was really misfiring and misaligned. I wasn't happy, basically. And I had friends and close family and even some peers tell me, you know, that in the that's being ungrateful for what I did have, which was the mini mansion and investment properties and assets throughout the world and businesses and all of that. Um, and I just I just wasn't I, I, deep inside. There was kind of knowing that was just guiding me to something better. I I, I couldn't describe it. I I couldn't figure out how to go about figuring it out in the first place. So what I love to say nowadays is that it's almost like I had a complete identity crisis, (laughs) which comes into a lot of what we teach. Yeah, just identity destruction. Um, That was one of my lessons. And I couldn't figure out why everything that I'd done for all the years leading to that point was no longer working, you know, not in terms of even money, revenue for the businesses. So slowly, as my bank accounts and income was plummeting, so was my confidence, my self-esteem. I started knocking dearly on my (laughs) self-worth, all the other great stuff that comes with it. You know, our emotions take a plummet. And just absolute lack of focus. And I ended up manifesting crisis after crisis after crisis. So I had to put a lot of fires out, specifically in my personal life. So that was with the family, with my parents, because I'm the breadwinner. I take care of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a horse run through fences and, gosh, I could touch his femur bone. He ended up shattering handler's uh, hips. She needed a double hip operation. My great Dane did a double eye operation. It was just (laughs) every level. And I ended up having an emergency operation in May that year, I remember. So it was just crisis after crisis. And I couldn't figure out what is happening or what am I doing (laughs) to deserve (laughs) this? How am I attracting (laughs) it?
0: Yep. So that was basically it. Hmm. So it's yeah. very often, I think, in our 30s, I, mean, I know I certainly experienced it and many of my colleagues uh, did too, this question of you know, achieving a certain level of success, success deemed by the outside world, not always by our own measure of success, and then saying to ourselves, you know, is this all there is? <laughs> like, Is this all there is to life? Yeah. And sometimes <laughs> that's very often where kids come into play. And I know for me, it was like, okay, what I really, really, really need is... And one day it just popped in my head was a child. And I was like, ah, where did that idea come from? Because <laughs> up until that point, I had been saying, no, nope, not ready to have children, not sure you know, if that's my path or not. And it just popped in. And as soon as it popped in, it was like, oh, well, yeah, that's it. That That is it. That is what is needed right now. So I understand where you're coming from with that piece. So tell me a little bit more about, how did you turn start to turn things around from being at this sort of you know rock bottom? Keep creating crises? How did you start to turn things around? What was the very first single step that you took?
1: Well, I can remember the date. It was 24 October 2015, and I woke up that morning and I had my beloved doggies on the bed with me, um, and I. I tried. I cried, but like scream tantrum, <laughs> the, the worst kind of crying we can get. <laughs> Emotional slammed, Yes, total. <laughs> and I was slamming my fist on the next to me, but crying at God, I'm shitting. Well, I don't deserve this. I'm such a good human. Why is all this happening to me? And I WhatsApped a friend, a horsey friend at that, an equestrian guy, just a good friend. And uh, the first thing he did, and it was, Such a miracle that I actually even got hold of him because being Christians, when we're out in the field, we often don't have our phones on us. You know, we leave them in the car. He answered instantly and gave number an American vet, a Vietnam War vet, who was a medical doctor and had studied Chinese medicine in China for years afterwards. He never went back to the States of war. Apparently, Dr. Paul West, I don't remember his name. And he said, Kristen, just phone Dr. Paul West and get an appointment today. <laughs> and guess what it was? It was acupuncture of all the things in the world that I couldn't have imagined would come into my life that day. I mean, I was open-minded to acupuncture. I've just never thought about it. I'd never gone for it. He was a miracle worker. And I remember he made me open my eyes that same day, 24 October, later that uh, afternoon, and he said, look at these needles hitting. And I was covered in them. Now, if you know me, I'm petrified of needles. <laughs> I have never looked. I'm 41 today and I will not look at putting a needle in me. <laughs> and um, I just, he said, you have to open your eyes and see all this energy. Just exit. Everything was vibrating on me. It was, some of them were a bit painful, but not, not in a bad way. And it was my first opening into acupuncture. Right. And that, that was the catalyst that actually just put me on a great journey. And I went back weekly. For, he didn't even want to bill me. <laughs> he just said, "You are carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders." He taught me about chi and energy and life force energy yep. and how critical it is in our bodies, um, and 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 this alignment. And it started from there.
0: Mm, so interesting. I um, I liken what you just shared with a story for. Um, I was actually doing some uh, energy healing work, Reiki work with my Reiki master. And she, after, after the session finished, and I think it was a back pain or a shoulder pain. I can't remember which now. But she said to me afterwards, I'm having a session this weekend where I'm teaching Reiki level one. And um, I don't know if you know anyone who, who uh, needs to be there. And my hands literally started buzzing. And it was like, wow. uh, I think I'm supposed to be there. <laughs> I mean, it was uh, they're buzzing right now, uh, right? And so when we start wow. really tuning into our body and paying attention to what's around us, which we cannot do when we're moving, you know, like if you're operating on the fast track, you know, three businesses, you know, millionaire three years, you're on the fast track, right? But we're going mm. so fast that we very often miss the signs, the signs that are really important. And it's only when we slow down, and I liken it to um, standing in a pond. If you're you know, standing there stamping your feet, all you're doing is kicking up all the mud on the bottom, and then everything is muddy and murky and you cannot have the clarity that you can when you actually stop, stand still, let the water settle. And then it's amazing what you can actually see that was there all along. But we were yeah. just too busy and too clouded to actually see it so that makes a lot of totally. sense to me. so you started with the the um acupuncture and you started to have clarity and then what happened
1: then i still up to that point I, I was still in the same business real estate and investment facilitation so i worked a lot with um stock portfolios literally some very very high net worth individuals. And it was just moving currencies around a few countries in the world, Australia for one, for example, Canada, America, England, Dubai, anyway, so I still wasn't fixed, if well, on a path, on a new path, I still, knew, all right, but I'm getting there. And at least the, the energetic sort of release that work that I started on an embodiment level, I sort of started there, which may have been backwards, <laughs> if I look back now, but that just paved the way into the path. It wasn't until Christmas Day, 2015, I remember that date as well. Remember, it was just myself in a big old seven-bedroom mansion, two dogs. (laughs) And um, I was sipping my glass of Sauvignon Blanc on the outside patio that day. It's summer in South Africa in December. It was a beautiful day. And my big boy, Blue, had just had that double eye up for entropion. So I watched him like a hawk as he's fresh stitches. And um, I, I just... Sat there sipping, and this loud. This time, this time the voice was loud. That inner voice that had been trying to get my attention for over a year. This time it was loud, and it said, "This is it. Enough. Enough." And it was Christmas Day. <laughs> I wasn't even working, and I listened to it. I literally put my glass of wine down then and there. Called my boy in, cleaned quickly because we couldn't have grass or mud or anything over him. He, he loved. It. He loved rolling in the. He's a typical boy rolling in the grassy dirt. And um, I phoned my parents. I said, I'm done. I'm done with Jackburg. I am done with this business. I am done with everything. I'm going to come move down to a coastal village where I'd moved them to. <laughs> it's a retirement. But I said, I'm going to come live with you and I'm going to figure out something new. I don't know how or whatever. And that's the day I start selling everything, gifting away everything from a seven bedroom house. <laughs> um, down to, oh, that house was only five bedrooms, the one before it was seven. Um, And gifted away everything. I promise you, I packed, I sold everything. I was packed, ready to move to this tiny village where I am now. Um, I've been flitting around a bit and uh, just changed everything. And I still had no clue (laughs) what exactly I was going to do. I knew only the voice was, it had been quiet. It was a whisper at first. This time it was loud and clear. And it said quality over quality life force over anything else over anything else even if you go broke which ironically happened the following year but
0: yes <laughs> so what happened then the following year now i'm really intrigued
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'd moved down i pulled everything relinquished shares in one of the other international companies. i didn't even want money for it to be honest i didn't i didn't get a penny for it that was my 50% shareholding in one of the gb2 companies And um, I just I had to start from in a single room from a massive house in a single room with a great Dane (laughs) and a full cross rescue. And uh, I did. I still kept my office desk. That was it. I kept one office desk. I'd retrenched all the staff or helped them find new work. So that was a blessing. I must say my team, I had ladies uh, working for me in the home office. They did find new work. Many of all of them, in fact, except one of since emigrated as well. And um, I, st- I had this compulsion. I can only call it a spiritual compulsion. I have no other English words to describe it, actually. Um, <laughs> <I get> it. <laughs> <to you.
0: laughs> I'm so glad. Like being on a tractor beam, right? And you couldn't get off, even if you wanted to, right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It was
1: a compulsion to start meditating. Now, you must understand that up to that point, I had been wreck any other normal Null human <laughs> in the Western world, in the sense that what you know, we don't meditate, we don't slow down. It's that whole seventh gear racehorse thing. It was all so new to me, yet I couldn't stop. Um, I remember my dad saying to me one day, he said, What on earth are you doing? You're never coming out your room, you're not making any money, what is going on? He literally asked me that. <laughs> And I couldn't describe it exactly clearly. I just said, I, just, I know I'm on the track. I don't know how. I just know I am. And I honestly meditated for about a month in May, about four to five hours a day. Now, this made everyone think I'd lost the plot. I was of was crazy. I was called loco. And then we're like, Kristen's having a midlife crisis. What is going on? I was 36 then. But it was such a beautiful thing that was happening from within and it just started and that's when I did funny enough touch on the energy healing through Christy Marie Sheldon and the likes of Dr. Dispenser. all the energetic components started coming into play and being a businesswoman um I'd still you know I love sales I love soulful sales I'm full of integrity so I'm still able to offer consulting work on this side that is what paid the bills and horse fed and the family fed and the dogs and the vet bills and all the typical stuff. But I just allowed myself the space to reconnect. And I said, somehow I have to incorporate horses. I was back with my horse, moved into the mountains here. And um, I was riding every day. And where was it as a child from young, very young, I always felt the closest connection to God or spirit, whatever we want to call it, was always when I was outdoors by myself with a horse working with a especially the dangerous ones, which is just a misunderstanding by most humans, but yeah. especially with the problem children. And, it. and I said, somehow, I have to do this. I have to combine my deep, sincere passion for the rescue and rehabilitation of horses into a brand because I've got the business skill sets behind me and the experience. And I love business. That's how we serve people. Right. So I was like, how do I do the two together? That was my next dilemma. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Well, you and I, you and I have studied under you know some of, um, you know, some of the similar, um, very well-known transformational leaders in the world, um, you know Jodha Spencer, Bruce Lipton, Dr. Sue Morda, Marcy Mar- Shymoff I interviewed when I wrote my best-selling book, Words, Women, and Wisdom: The Modern Art of Confident Conversations. Um, you know, Ken Wilber, Tony Robbins, obviously. So, you know, a lot of the greats. It's amazing what clues we can pick up because, you know, success leaves clues, um, and and the opportunity to bring in something that is a passion and integrate that in with something that is serving the world with a very distinct purpose, solving a specific problem. You know, that's one of the things that I love to do too. So one of my gifts is helping my clients to um, much, much like when you're a kid, you have those join the dots books and you literally have one, two, three, four, and they're numbered out and you can't see the picture until you've actually followed joining one to two, two to three, et cetera. Well, very often my clients come to me where they have all the dots, but they have no idea where the lines are to join the dots and make the picture complete. And that's what I can very easily see is where do we connect them and how is that coming to market to get monetized? So Mm. it's uh, it's so fascinating and it's such a joy, isn't it? When you're working with clients who can uh, bring you can help them bring their best potential out because, you know, the journey that you've been on and the steps. to take. Yeah. I love your
1: analogy, by the way, the dots.
0: It's perfect. It really is about that. So you change gears completely from what you used to do. And now you're being a full time uh, mentor slash consultant slash coach. So let's talk a little bit about the work that you're doing today. So you're 36 when you begin to honor your multifaceted talents and start bringing this work to the world looking at how you could incorporate the concept of thoroughbred horses as a symbol of our innate perfect pedigree. So tell me a little bit more about how you help people play blissfully awakened into seven and eight figure arenas.
1: It's a interesting thing how that came about. And to be honest, that took a few years of evolution and tweaking within my own to to sort of find the right way most people, including non-equestrians, would, would understand that. Um, and I can't say it hit me like a ton of bricks in some miraculous light, because it didn't. It took a while. Um, when I first started out on my own, especially after having such an awakening, so breakdown into breakthrough, yeah. I confidence was low. My self-esteem was low. And then I think like so many other Normal people, when you first branch out in something new, you as a full-time work effort, whether it's your own business or, I mean, I haven't had a job, an actual job in years, but for people going to a new job, um, in the beginning, you're kind of nervous. It's that excited nervousness. Uh, it all boils down to, at the end of the day, I believe that our, our heritage, if we think about where we're from, how we're so divinely designed and that's by God or whatever other higher, you know, the universe, who, whatever we believe in, to me, it's God. So I'll say God, the universe, I'll interchange those two terms, but it's just sheer perfection. We really are these little amazing human experiences running around with divinely perfect name. Everything like the acorn, you know, we're just these little acorns that get to expand, fully express into our highest potential, which is the giant O. Um, And that is the thoroughbred perfect degree that I realized when I started working in the mentoring and coaching field uh, very much more every day. So many people just we forget that we just forget how perfect (laughs) the pedigree is. Um, We know on this earth, it's a world of duality. So, yeah, perfection does exist. And then I teach people, but that's the whole thing, is we viewed failure, for example, as such a bad thing. There's no such thing as failure. Actually, mm-hmm. they're just little, to me, it's a requirement on the route to success. <laughs> like <laughs> You have
0: to fail in order to grow. is a definite requirement. <laughs> so it's the about lessons in life. I mean, I, I talk about that in my, in my book as well. You know, the word failure, right? Eh, eh. It's just simply a learning opportunity right? This didn't work. Yeah. Right. So what are you doing? <laughs> instead, right.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we wouldn't know what next to do if we didn't know what didn't work. It's normally the easiest way to find the next best path for us. Yeah. So I developed that and I started figuring out that as I was speaking, every time I, 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 could, I could hear it when the light bulb goes on that when they actually remember, and I'm talking true awareness, not memory, when they go, wow. All right. So I'm sitting here right now as divinely perfect. Potential. That's it. Like, let me claim that as the first state of my being, and from there we'll see where it goes. From yeah. there we can ex- follow our curiosity
0: and connect those dots. As you, as you so perfectly said. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Um, Michael Lozier, his Law of Attraction book. I'm not sure if you've read that one, um, oh. but he has a, a concept that he, uh, when I had coffee with him, he um, agreed that I could put it in my book. It's the con- concept of a, t- a capital letter T. Um, so when we don't know the answer, we very often, as you just shared, we don't we we know what we don't want, so we know what's not working, right? What's not working, and therefore that gives us clues, much like when we were kids and we played opposites, right? What's the opposite of that? Um, we can use his contrast clarity through contrast concept you put a letter T down on a piece of paper, you put the issue that you're dealing with above the line. And then on the left side of the um, vertical line, you put down what you don't like, what's what's happening right now that you really don't like. You don't like how it feels, how it looks, etc. what's happening. And then on the right side, you use that as your starting point to on the right side, then say, well, what's the opposite of that? So in my, um, In my work with women in leadership, very often they're still being micromanaged (laughs) by their leaders. Oh wow. Okay, so you don't like being micromanaged, what do you want instead? Well, I want to have independence, I want to have authority and accountability at a new level and a new high, and to be not being scrutinized and having to prove myself all the time. So very often we don't know what we don't We know we don't know what we do want yet until we've gone through that exercise. So thanks for reminding me about that. And thank oh, you, Michael true. O'Shea, for wrapping some tools around it.
1: <laughs> yeah, poetry. Oh, true. I'm going to look for that book, by the way. Thank you for letting
0: me know about it. Oh, well, it's in my book, too.
1: <laughs> um, so, well, then I'm
0: just going to get a book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just pick up a copy of words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations, so, it's, it is actually on Amazon um, as an ebook and also as a uh, physical book. And it's just going to be coming out um, later on this month in audiobook as well. So, anyone who is dyslexic or just a woman, busy woman on the go who wants to listen through uh, exercise programs, et cetera, um, and multitasking, you'll have an opportunity to listen along very soon as well. I'll talk more about that at the end. So um, right now we've got this thoroughbred horse as that symbol and you're wrapping your business around um, that concept. And are you still doing um, like are you actually doing like equestrian training or horse therapy? Are you bringing in that level of, of focus around the horse or working more on the mindset piece?
1: Very good question. (laughs) You're a great interviewer. (laughs) That is part of my big vision. So yeah, people think I'm insane. I don't share it openly with everyone, but I cannot wait to have my flaming sword. In America, they call it a ranch. Me, I'm very comfortable with the word sanctuary and I do want Mm -hmm. my 20 to 80 acres so that I can bring that in again. Um, At the moment to answer your question, no, I actually gifted my last thyroid away, Westy for short, uh, West of London. Um, It took me six months to find the right mama for him and take him on a youngster who can spend all the time with him. And I knew I was going to emigrate. And it's a a big deal to emigrate with a horse. And I don't just mean money. I mean the stress on the animals. And he was a natural. He is a natural fighter, ex-breeding stallion. So he doesn't go down easy. Let's put it that way. Um, So anyway, I, I gifted him away. Again, not into it for money, this pure passion. And one day when I have that sanctuary, that ranch, I will absolutely be uh, rehoming thoroughbreds off the tracks. We call them OTTBs for anyone who doesn't know the racehorse industry. Because mm. so many are just left uh, to die they are taken to slaughter pens. It's just fact. It is just an industry fact. It's awful. Sorry, I'm putting my hand up here. I'm quite anti-racing. Tragic. <laughs> just love Tragic. the thoroughbred. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As an animal lover, okay. Um, of course, I have a... Uh, uh, object uh, sorry subject to view on that but then absolutely um I've seen magic in real life with horses both horses who've been rescued and people who needed it without realizing it and the magic that can happen I actually I just got goosebumps all over oh I have seen huge military men, for example with hardened pasts just break down and a horse absolutely give them the kind of Energetic affection and bonding that they need, that the men, for example, didn't realize that happens with women too, for sure. So, yes, that is in the future right now. No, I just want to get to the States. I'm going to the Carolinas where there is horse country, South Carolina specifically, all of it, (laughs) and Florida. And um, yeah, I will start that up in physical form. It's actually part of my, it's the first workshop that I do with my elite evolution clients in quarter one. We end it with a trust, energy, and leadership live experience so I fly them down for a weekend and and that we do we work live with horses so um you know people could lie to themselves and to uh, they cannot lie to horses <laughs> you no. could try but
0: the horse will get out of you <laughs> yeah I, I yeah. can speak to that for sure um I do have yeah. a an experience of old oh, thinking it's probably about 10 years ago now um doing some uh equestrian Um, equine healing work and at the time I was telling myself something that actually was not true and when we went into the arena the horse that was in there um, just wouldn't come near me and it was like okay what's going on here and it was when um, I was prompted to ask myself some pretty deep serious questions and, you know, the, the natural answer emerged that that's when he finally came up and actually was wanting to be with me because I was in my full integrity. And it was so fascinating. Such a it's such an interesting beautiful. day. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's, I wish I was there. I wish I was there. Just, it's just so beautiful when that, that happens. It's amazing. Horses yeah. are honest. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's horses and dogs, right? They just know. Um when uh, when we picked our puppy, <clears throat> I have a little sheltie. We have a little sheltie my husband and I. And um when we went to the breeders to pick uh pick one out of a litter of seven, they um The breeder said, "You know, oh, don't worry about the, you know, the mom. She won't come anywhere near you. She's not really, you know, that friendly with people." Well, she let her out, and she came bounding over, and she was all over us. And then, as we were trying to decide, looking at this litter of puppies, um, and she was sort of, you know, still in shock that 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 the mom had actually been so been so effusive with us. my husband was saying, "Well, how about this one, and how about that one? Uh, and this really bouncy uh Shelty that was quite big and very outgoing um caught his attention and you know working from home at the time and uh, with my clients home based, I thought, oh you know i can't have I can't have quite such a boisterous little little kid running around here." Um, And as we were looking at some of the others and she was saying, oh, there's three that are fairly similar in temperament. One is a little bit more outgoing than the other. And I looked down and I said to my husband, I think we've been chosen. And one of the puppies (laughs) had fallen asleep and curled up on my foot. Like, I think I think we're taking her. She's already picked up. (laughs) So cool. <laughs> they do pick us. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's beautiful. Just yeah. a quick one on that. If you don't mind, Shane, it reminded me in that same year, 2015, my big Great Dane, a huge, he was extraordinarily large, even for a Great Dane, German bred, highly pedigreed rescue, though, but he was the rent of the litter. That's why they didn't want him. So, of course, I say he hated men. Um, probably because I've been single for so long, but he really didn't like men. So he could get, let me just put it this way. I was weary with him with men. And I just moved into the home in Johannesburg. I had a few people over for a nice big uh, braai, a barbecue, as they say. And just, you know, welcoming me back to the city. Blue, the Great Dane, picked out this man. Um, at the time, it was my best friend's fiance. Picked him out. I've got a photo because I couldn't believe it. And he just kept leaning on him which is a great dang thing. But Blue really leaned on him and kept circling around him, but in the most of way. I promise to this day, Ashley and I both said to each other, wow, this is odd behavior for Blue. Three months later, that man committed suicide. My best friend lost her fiance. He committed suicide three months later. Oh my God. He was hurting that badly. Typical of the way I think plenty men are raised and that you can never show weakness. You know, a woman too. Um, but he was that it badly that none of us could see it. My dog did. Mm. He really did. He hung himself three months later. Oh, and no. Lou saw it a mile away and none of us, you know, could see that.
0: Yeah. Wow. So all of, this, all of this intuitive work, all of this uh, stepping into your true path, stepping into embodying who you are, no doubt is why you are particularly passionate about creating these transformational shifts through not just mental resilience, but emotional agility. Love that word. Um, reminding brave business warriors that they themselves are their greatest asset, and taking your diverse background across, you know, three continents as the basis for your visionary thinking. So, the the ideal type of client that you love working with are those business. Um, uh, successful entrepreneurs already who have lost that zest and aren't necessarily on their true path? Is that their, is that the people that you love working with the most?
1: Yeah, it forms the majority of my client base until last year, but that was a COVID thing. But um, they they do. I think because it has been so ingrained, and I found this in a lot of successful people. Now, you and I definitely know that success is different to everyone, but I am talking about the generally perceived successful people that are on that set that racetrack that just doesn't stop. Right. So they're really six-figure earners plus, in fact, often millionaires. So my affectionate term for them is the misfiring misaligned millionaires. So the triple M. <laughs> yeah. a triple M client. <laughs> and um, I say it with big love because I've been there. Um, and they've never yet felt, I want to say almost safe enough or even confident enough to be able to express that they're not actually happy. It often comes in men, I think it's the way society conditioned them, that they're not permitted to show weakness or emotions. You know, big men don't cry. Same with women, and I did read your profile, so true. We were similar, you know, raised in the same way. It's just a societal Bunch of BS, if you ask me, <laughs> but um, anyway, um, so they, they feel that, and this is of men and women. And uh, finally, it feels as if they've got safe space that they can open up and openly share how miserable they are, and it's not a bad thing. They're not moaning. It's not necessarily that they're expressing um, that they're not grateful for all they've developed and and done, and they're actually... Honestly, when they really get open with me, they tell me how sick and tired they are of hearing how they're doing so well and your life so amazing. Those stories, they actually get very frustrated in hearing it because I'm not kidding when I say I've had a man uh, didn't leave his garage once. He found me crying in his Bugatti, uh, in his mansion, a LA client, uh, crying. He just he didn't even want to go and face his own business that, that particular morning. You know, mm-hmm. so... Um, it's, I love being able to offer it, I call it quite a sacred space and it takes a bit of time. It's all about trust and it is intimacy in, in a different way, um, both for men and for women. For women, it's the opposite generally in my clients. Some are, for example, wealthy housewives and they, they've they lost a sense of purpose because the kids are grown. That is one of the most common reasons women in particular come to me is they say, all right, so I've done my duties as a mum." As a wife, and now what? Right, I'm empty. I'm bored. I'm lost, and I just I want to do what I want to do for a change, you know. Yes. Which makes the husband look at them as if they're crazy. <laughs> like, what are you doing now? You try this again. <laughs>
0: yeah, totally. it's how, how other people uh, feel. So quick to judge when you're not on a traditional, you know, path. You don't have a traditional job, a job. Um, but that is, you know, but that is right or wrong, um, and I remember you know part of my story, age eleven. Um, I mean i 'd already been criticized so much as a young kid by my father who came back from the war with PTSD, um, and he literally drained the dignity right out of my mom. He was a very, very angry man. She had once been a very successful businesswoman, and he literally over the time they were married drained her right out because he was constantly criticizing, constantly angry, such a perfectionist, everything had to be in order, um, which I now know to be a blueprint style personality. And I was an action-oriented kid clashed like this. Um, But literally, you know, him screaming at me after I missed by two marks, passing a very important exam. And he screamed at me that I would never ever be successful in life. Well, thanks. I'm just about to go into high school. And that just, you know, that was like the final straw for me. And so when I got to high school, I was very, very quiet because I had been criticized so much um, that according to his standards, you know, exams, if you don't pass your exams, you, you know, you're not successful. Well, guess what? <laughs> no, it it didn't seem to um really matter uh, very much to build peace that he didn't you know finish university right I mean it's uh, not all about that yeah. so yes other totally agree. people can be really hurtful and that was one of the reasons I, w- I wrote my book Words Women and Wisdom the Modern Art of Confident Conversations because I oh, wow. really wanted first off women to be fully supported and have you know 40 different words and word concepts that they could use in their everyday language, words to eliminate plus words to put into your sentences to add more power, so that they could feel more confident, elevate their language, not be put down, and ask for what they want to get it. And it's yeah. about you know what other people think of you because that really is as you know, T Harv says, it really is none of your business. It's just <laughs> their, it's not truth. It's just yeah. their opinion. Opinion. And even, um, even Marty Shaimov, when I interviewed her leading up to launching my book and, and was able to quote her in my book, you know, she talked about being um, in a hotel room after this big speaking engagement. I think she said there's about 2,000 people in the audience and you know, sold and autographed about 5,432 books, went back up to her hotel room, beautiful room, overlooking Lake Michigan and burst into tears. And she was just, again, in that place of being, yeah, by all accounts, I'm successful and yet I'm just not happy. And that was yeah. the trigger for her to go on her journey, um, writing her book um, about happiness. and uh, finding yeah, Happy for no reason. Happy for no reason. Yeah. So it can happen so quickly yeah. when you're on the fast track, when you're thinking that you're you know, climbing this ladder of success. It can happen so easily that we get so focused on the money and the money that is coming in um, we lose that intrinsic connection to the business, so that's part of my work too is envisioning first you know what are your passions, what are the things you love to do, how yes. does this connect to what your business idea is, and really centering that around having a mission inspired element in the business. So that when things do go haywire as you know, entrepreneurs, <laughs> things crop up, <laughs> that you're they do. grounded, you know, really grounded in your process for the business. So what have you learned along the way? If you, um, you know, had picked a couple of lessons that you wanted to share with the audience, what do you think are some of the most important lessons that you've learned on your journey that you'd like to bring forward? Well, the first one, you hit the nail on the head right now
1: in that um, when you're truly grounded in your purpose and, you, and you're working from a place of inspiration, I like to call it from inspirata, that comes from within, there's, there's, the self-identity has nothing to do with business. And so I like to teach, especially my female clients, that your worth has nothing to do with any doing thing, material thing in this world. I right. said, you can be sitting barefoot on your own living room floor and you are so divinely worthy that you can't put a price tag. <laughs> and they normally laugh at me I said no I'm serious when you're washing the dish you are as priceless as you are whether you're running a billion dollar corporation or not so break the worse your intrinsic worth anything else that is doing and then as you as you touched on one of the lessons I learned was that just because we fit somewhere, it doesn't mean that that's where we're meant to be. So I did very well as a, as an buyer's advocate. That's what I was, was a private buyer's advocate for internal real estate and portfolios. And just because I did well at it, I'd allowed that to become a part of I call it the, the misfiring wiring in my subconscious thinking that's my identity as such. And um, I finally gave myself permission to do what I really wanted to do, which was help more people in a deeper way. I still, I'm still friends today with a lot of those clients. We still talk today. I loved serving them, but these are the type of people that can drop eight and fifty thousand dollars, you know, in a second. I was like, how can I help more people who aren't in that position? Um, and in a deeper way, you see part of mine definitely came out of intrinsic healing. It's one of my gifts. <laughs> right. um, so that was one of the lessons. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so I just help people show them. You just start from the baseline of potential because it leads into my other favorite tip for people, anyone who's listening, is that our imagination to me is one of God's greatest gifts. <laughs> and yet it is something that in my life, in many ways, as a kid growing up, school, society, parents, whatever. They just want to bash it out of you from the moment you go to school. <laughs> Maybe not today's time. Maybe I'm dating myself. Oh, well. But um, imagination is like everybody part. Our eyebrows, everything has a purpose. Think about it this way. So does your imagination. So to me, it is definitely step one of your manifestation. And I've worked with a lot of clients who forgot how to dream. And I mean, just dream. Like allow your imagination to run wild. So you want a $28 million property or not, or what whatever the case may be for that human. You know, do you want to build a school for the underprivileged? Do you want to do build a library in, in New York City? You know, anything. I'm, I'm I'm just saying allow it to run wild and start connecting with the emotion that that that's tie in with your heart. It's got to be a heart-centered space. That's part of the envisioning as you said, Nana, I think it's just so true. So I think that imagination is one of our six high faculties yep. that is, I think, underestimated and misunderstood as adults. People always go, no, creativity is not for me. I'm like, actually, you're a divinely creator. You are, that is, you're just, you're designed that way. So let's use it to your, you know, let's make it powerful for you. Yep. And then the second gift that I love reminding people to use is the intuition because it's been raised like, and if they're successful in functioning in full speed, seventh gear all the time, as you know, you don't get to hear it. It's, it might be a tiny little whisper, a little, tiny little nagging voice in the back of your head, but you don't actually hear it, like really take it in until mm-hmm. you stop. As you said, you got to get, you can't keep kicking uh, uh, up the mud. Uh, you can't see clearly in ripples, even, even if there's no mud, if there's ripples in the water. And so to me intuition is just i always say people become bffs with your intuition that's my number one (laughs) it really is there to to lead you on the correct path um the other one i wrote was decongest your emotions and that's where emotional agility we all know about emotional intelligence i'm a big believer in as well Mm -hmm. and then emotional agility is just that ability to allow them to float up The, the analogy i use With clients is allow your feelings, because we're taught all these years, you not don't let your you got to master your emotions. Don't let them control you. That's true to an extent, but I say allow them to slow tap, let them sit at your dinner table. You just don't have to feed them. You know, (laughs) acknowledge they're there. Um, But like a naughty dog, eventually they get, you know, they must go out. (laughs) But allow them to sit there at the dinner table. Feel the feelings. It means you scream and cry and break things do it i'd rather have you express than suppress anything because that creates oppression not only of your mind state but it becomes a physical thing if you're not regularly allowing that energy to express it's got to express <laughs> otherwise you end up like many people and 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 getting help from other parties which is also perfectly okay <clears throat> so, yeah, I love helping the, the decongestion of emotions. There are normally these t- entanglements of people built on a whole bunch of false beliefs and limiting. Anyway, <laughs>
0: yeah. um, and, and my when Oh, yeah. No, go ahead. Well, I was just I was just thinking back to, you know, when I did my executive coach uh, certification. So my program was uh, through Royal Roads as a six month long program with an exam at the end. Which was the only time I got a 4.0 in anything at university, so um, that just you know cemented my passion for coaching. But literally we had a final exam. I had to meet with somebody that I'd never met before. I had about seven minutes to get to know them a little bit, and then we dived into the topic for coaching, and it was almost like, you know finding the middle of a ball of strength right you know but what but what but what but what is the real issue here and then being able as you know as soon as you understand what the real issue is or or they understand what the real issue is to be able to really ask you know maybe two or three questions that would crack it right open and then they could see that their own answer and that of course is you know the science of coaching it's not about me telling you it's about me asking powerful questions to enable you to self-discover your own answer because I don't know how risk averse you are or how fast you want to go or how willing you are to really make change you know that and therefore you're going to pick your best solution and be attached emotionally to it and committed to it because it was your idea wasn't my idea right
1: yeah
0: so it's so beautiful true. to be doing this kind of work and I'm so glad that we connected because what I'm sensing, and, and I'm, I know there'll be probably a couple of my my coaching colleagues saying, "Why are you interviewing another coach on your show?" Well, because first off, I believe in abundance, and secondly, I think our gifts are, while we're you know still having a lot of the same underpinnings of you know create space first, don't suppress emotion, let emotion flow because it is energy in motion, um, being aware through. Um, through doing gratitudes and doing meditation, that the silence is where the, the gifts really lie, and that we are all like a jigsaw puzzle. You know, when we come together and we put all those individual experiences, some of which might seem painful, and why the heck did we go through it? And you start putting <laughs> it into a, um, a p- picture that actually starts knitting together, and you can see the beauty of all of those gifts, whether they're tragedy, triumph, et cetera that really have made you and I the unique people that we are. So I don't serve men, you serve men. Great, right? Um, I, I I love horse riding. Um, I started my journey on horse riding when I was about 30. Um, one of those, you know, is this all there is to life? What did I miss out on a <laughs> kid? My parents couldn't afford to meet a horse riding school. Um, and so I, I decided I was going to you know, t- t- take the lessons myself and do it myself when I was 30. And so from 30 to when I got pregnant um, was was a, an opportunity for me to dive back into something I had longed to do as a kid. So I'm glad that That's you're bringing some- this work to the world. And I look forward to seeing, you know, what evolves. We do. I do have some uh, connections also in the Carolinas as well. So um, there's Lovely. some beautiful people and some fantastic energy in uh, certainly sort of in and around the Asheville area in particular. Good, because I'm going up close to Asheville, and I'm dying to see it.
1: I've never yet been. I'm going to Lake Norman, but I've never yet been.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, there's um, a lady up there that I'm happy to connect you with. I think she'd really appreciate what you're up to and vice versa. Uh, Jennifer Hough, her name is, H-O-U-G-H. Amazing, amazing lady. Um, She's a... A seer and a seeker, I, <laughs> I think is the, love that. <laughs> yeah, the best way to very very smart lady. Um, best way to describe it. So as we start to sort of pull things together here, um, I'm curious. You know, we've we shared so much of your story. Um, how did those experiences ultimately come to help you improve your confidence as a woman in business, because that's obviously what I'm all about too, is how do women have more confidence? Partly it's about (laughs) knowing that their back isn't up against the wall and that they have the resources they need, either connections, support, finances, uh, space, all of those things. But what have you learned about confidence and particularly that you can share for women?
1: The biggest lesson I learned was that confidence is bred by action even when it feels awfully scary. (laughs) Like I really used to be what they call, if I can say it on the show, I was quite ballsy in a boardroom, a real corporate setting. Mm -hmm. So I was renowned as a woman for that. Um, And then here I came up going, oh gosh, all of a sudden I've got a compulsion to meditate and to learn about chakras. (laughs) And Reiki was one of them. So I felt like a right arrangement. But on my My Little Pony episode just went upside down. I was like, what is happening? And um, day by day, just taking a little bit more action. First, I started playing with the logo. For example, I took a child who drawing the original logo before the one you see now, and I took it to a friend and I said, Make that a logo, just the sketch, make it a logo. And he did. And it was step by step. And I felt incredibly nervous when I published my first website after being whom I'd identified with my entire life and everyone else who knew me. Um, and here I was doing an experiment, experimenting with life guidance, you know, in business mentorship. I just, it feels odd. And I'm, I'm here to say that every day you take just one little tiny step closer towards your dream, even if it's small. It's the action that builds the confidence. You don't get confidence and then take action. It actually comes the other way around. Yeah. So And you just get more confident as you do. Yep. So you find the inner strength, which is the thoroughbred pedigree. Just remember, you're a hot-looking thoroughbred. <laughs> find that, you start there. <laughs> and know that you can run a race if you need to. But I prefer walking as well. I'm with Yvonne on, like, steady the pace, harness the energy, take it slowly, and really recognize from within. To my favorite saying is, uh, your greatest wealth lies within. And then one step at a it. time. It's all you mm-hmm. need to focus on. One step.
0: Love that. And definitely, you know, speaking about confidence in my book about, you know, what is it? Where does it come from? I mean, a lot of times, from my experiences, it's come from doing something that I doubted I'd ever be able to do and doing it and surprising the heck out of myself. (laughs) Um, See how (laughs) Becca had a great, uh, you know, four-day warrior camp. And I remember climbing a local mountain, Yemnusker that's here in Alberta. Um, and, you know, there was five stages and thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm not in shape for hiking. I don't do hiking. Um, so I got to level one and my legs were like quite sore already. And there was five levels. Plus, we had somebody on crutches that we had to take up as a team to get to the wow. very, uh, very uh, plateau summit and, and be able to look down from this sort of tabletop. Over the the, the drop off, which was incredible, um, as you can tell, I did make it up there. But I mean, partly because my legs got numb, and I just said, "Well, they're already numb, so I'm just, gonna going. Yes, <laughs> just me, I'm going. going to keep going." Yeah, just keep going. over the top. But coming down, um, he, we actually had um, someone pass away because they oh. fell, hit their head, had a previous heart condition, and it was so magical to watch what happened afterwards. <clears throat> which was part of a really big lesson for me was how companies that have heart can make such an impact in a split second because they change the whole agenda up. So I didn't get to do fire walking that night, which is what we were supposed to be doing. Um, but we raised two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in about half an hour with <sighs> all of the contributors who were at the workshop for this gentleman's family. So that, oh. you know, it was able to turn again, tragedy to triumph. And that's what I'm all about. So I
1: think fast turn around. Wow.
0: It's, uh, it's been really interesting and I've so enjoyed our conversation. I definitely want to keep in touch. And also um, we talked about a couple of gifts for the uh, listeners so my first gift is actually, if you go to my website, which is Words, Women, and spelled out A-N-D, and com, you can actually download a three-chapter excerpt free of my best-selling book, Words, Women, and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations. Just click the red button on the left, and then you can actually be invited to join the Women and Wisdom VIP community and download that three-chapter excerpt, so you get part of the 40 words. You won't get the whole thing, but you get a taste of it. And uh, Kristen has also brought a gift. So tell me about what you're sharing um, and how people can get access to your gift.
1: Okay, no problem. They just have to go to, um, it's not even on my website. It's really a special gift that's not publicly shared. They go to www.flamingsilver.co.com. So flaming is in light a candle, light a flame. silver yep. like dot co for connect, collaborate, co create, not.com, but forward slash envision, e n vision. Because um, I'm giving that away because it's a it's a big guide, just handy to anyone who's feeling maybe a bit lost. Or a bit unsure, it is not just about goal setting, goals are subsets of intentions anyway, <laughs> it's about reigniting the sparks of your big vision for life, maybe you're in a spot, if you're listening, maybe you are, that you're feeling unsure, especially after COVID and whatever may have happened, maybe you lost the job that you always thought you were meant to be in, <laughs> and, and other new magnificent self is starting to fall out because you were forced to be in a position to work from home, something like that. So it's just to help you ignite a really big vision and it starts, we reverse engineer everything backwards from the big vision. So it's www.flamingsilver.co
0: forward slash envision. Envision with an E. Excellent. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Thank you for being so generous with, with your gift of your wisdom, your knowledge, and for bringing your whole self, all of the stories and all of the learnings to the listeners today. I've really enjoyed connecting with you and I hope that we will continue to stay in touch, maybe do some fun stuff together since we have such a a strong alignment here. And as I said, my focus is on women Women who have mission-inspired businesses, who are already, you know, six-figure business owners, successful business owners, and looking to add something that is going to bring in more purpose as they step up from a solopreneur to a CEO. If you're looking to be scalable to add more staff, that's a, an area that I can bring distinct expertise. So, thank you for joining me today, Chris, uh, Kristen. It's been a pleasure. And uh, listeners. Go make sure that you pick up those two gifts free of charge, our wisdom that we're sharing and have yourself a beautiful day. Thank you so much. And bye for now.